We good this morning? Let's pray. Father God, I, I'm grateful to you this morning for being the God that we, we say that you are often, the, the God that never fails, the God that never changes, the God that never wavers and never backs down. And Lord, this morning when we, when we think about how holy, holy, holy you are, God, how there are beings in heaven, God, surrounding the throne, created for the, the purpose of declaring your holiness, for nothing else, God, but declaring your holiness, declaring your majesty, declaring your goodness, declaring your faithfulness, God, that you are holy, holy, holy as the Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is filled with your glory, God. I pray this morning as we look into your word, God, that you would stir our affections for you, God, that you would allow our worship, God, to go beyond a song, that you would allow our worship to go beyond a prayer, that you would allow our worship to go beyond a a 30-minute segment of music or a 30-minute segment of preaching or, God, a 30-minute segment of prayer and fellowship, but, God, that you would allow us to understand that you envelop us. God, that you cover us, God, that you fill us with your spirit, God, that you carry us, God, Lord, that you are near us, Lord, that you are our provider and our protector, our our furious friend, God, Lord, you are the one, and you're worthy of worship. You are worthy of worship, God. If for nothing else, God, just for being God, being the self-sufficient God in need of nothing, Teach us to worship. God, because I fear we, we often miss it. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just, I think I said this two Sundays ago or, or last Sunday, but I, I'm just really appreciative um, of our worship team, our, our guys and girls that come in and um, girls, our guy and girl that that serve and, and come in early and, and, and um, I, I can say this because I, I've seen it that, that they, they, don't, they don't come to put on a show they genuinely they genuinely open their mouth because they've been awestruck with a love and passion with a love and passion for Jesus Christ and it's contagious wouldn't you agree? Amen. Romans 12 so thank y'all Romans 12 1 let's get after it this morning Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let me, let me help you. I, I know we, we have all kind of different translations across the room, so it may say something like this. I beseech you by the mercies of God. I appeal to you. Uh, by the mercies of God, I urge you by the mercies of God, or I would like to you look at this verse in view of the mercies of God. So there's multiple translations, but um, he starts with, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship, or some of your translations say, may say your reasonable act of worship or your reasonable service. And I want to unpack why we see different, you see some of us, it's our logic choice or the logic, the the logical decision. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that the testing 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's stop there and we'll start back in the beginning. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, and we're going to break this into pieces because I want us to see it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Let's stop there. Appeal, I just said that. It means urge or to beseech in view of. So this is what Paul's saying. We said this, we, we hit on this a little bit last week, that Romans 11, 1 through 11 is the theological framework. 12 through 16 is the how to live it out. So this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. The things that I'm about to instruct you to do, the things that I'm about to lay out for you, the things that I'm going to say is what makes a worshiper and what makes a believer and what makes a devout Christian. These things that I want you to see, I want you to see them through the lens of everything that you've heard. So, so check this out. Everything I'm going to instruct you, I want you to take those instructions but I want you to look at the instructions through the theological framework that I've already built for the last nine and a half months or Paul's last 11 chapters. Some of your Bibles, and I, I want to make note of this because I, 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 want, I want you to underline this. If your Bible says mercy, you see that in the verse where it says, I beseech you by the mercy. Some of your translations may say mercy. I want you to just put a little scribble on the Y. You say, oh, you're marking up the word. Bear with me. You can, you can highlight it if you'd rather do that or scribble under it, draw a little line. That needs to be mercies. It doesn't need to be mercy. When it, when it was translated into mercy, it gives this idea and this picture that we're looking at just the mercy of God, just God's willingness to spare our lives and to give us spiritual reconciliation with Him. But the correct translation puts the plural rather than the singular, the mercies of God, because this is what Paul wanted them to understand when he was writing. He said, I want to appeal based on the mercies of God. This is what he's saying. The love of God demonstrated in the death of Christ, the grace of God demonstrated in the ability to allow Jesus to be our substitute, the imputed righteousness. That means that when, Christ, when, when God took our unrighteousness away and he added the righteousness of Christ that was imputed into our hearts, the regeneration of our dead souls, that means the Holy Spirit transforming our wicked dead hearts into hearts alive with the capacity to love and be loved by God. That's what he's saying. So, so I, I want you to know when you read that through in your Bible that you should not read it in light of just the mercy of God, but the mercies of God. Because it's all the framework that Paul's talked about. It's the case that he's been building theologically. And you say, TJ, you use that word a lot, theology. Like, is it important that we know theology or should, we just, should it just be Jesus, period? When I say theology, a lot of times we, we get scared of the word or we think about the word. What does this word mean? Theology literally just means the study of God. That's what the word means. Like biology, theology, like theology, theo, the study of God. So what Paul is saying is the things that I've, in a sense, built for you, this framework that I've built, we're going to look at the rest of these things through that framework because you cannot separate theology from practice. 
And that's what Paul's marrying together. That's what he marries together in the book of Romans. He has all of these theological concepts that are big and weighty and incredible, but then he marries it with how to practice that theology, how to live in light of that. I want you to hear this. Theology is never separated from practice. Theology, rather, fuels our practice. You hear me this morning? Theology doesn't put a damper. When we study God and who He is and what He's done, when we we study about regeneration and how only by the act of the Holy Spirit He takes dead hearts and makes them them pump again for His glory, when He takes uh, addicted men and women and sets them free from their addiction, when we talk about how God takes the homeless, the reckless, the abused and the abandoned and He makes them sons and daughters, when we talk about that process... Knowing how he does that, knowing that his Holy Spirit is active and alive, knowing, that, knowing who God is, helps us understand and fuels our passion of how we serve God. It's the, it, it's the, it's the, it's the fuel that runs the engine. So if you ignore studying God, I just want to put this challenge out there. Get off of your spiritual high horse and submit yourself to the Word of God. Because when we understand, and we'll never understand fully, but when we see who God is in His Word and how He works salvation in our lives, that begins to fuel a passion in us to walk out the Christian faith. Let me give you, a, let, me, let me help you grab an example. See this, put some skin on this for you. To say, I love God because He's a gracious God is one thing. To understand the sacrifice that God gave so that he could pour out grace. To understand that Jesus was brutally murdered on a cross so that God could, in one hand, allow Jesus to be crushed. On the other hand, lift us up. When we understand that that's what we talk about when we talk about substitutionary atonement, Jesus standing in our place, that changes the way that we say we love the grace of God, doesn't it? Well, I'm... I'm, I'm glad God saved me because I don't have to go to hell. Doesn't really satisfy the idea that he he saved me from hell but into heaven, into glory. Because listen, I want you to hear this. What you believe about God will fuel how you serve God. What you believe about God and how he treats his sons and daughters, what you believe about God and who he is as a, a sovereign Lord and a good father... What you believe about God, the belief you hold in your heart will be the fuel that pushes you into the practice that you live out. So listen, let me let you hear this. Let me walk through this together. If you believe God is a God that answers prayer, what will you do faithfully? Right? If you believe God is a God based on what we've seen Him do, and if we we can go back to Romans 1 where it says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, the Jew first and also the Greek. So if we go all the way back to chapter 1 and we believe that the gospel is powerful, how will that affect our practice? We'll want to take the gospel to people, right? We'll realize that our efforts on saving someone is weak and insufficient, but the gospel has the power. So what we know about God fuels and drives how we serve God. All right. Romans 12.1. I appeal to you by the mercies of God, brothers, to present your bodies. I want to stop there. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your spiritual worship to present. 
Paul is playing on the understanding that the people would have had of what it meant to present a sacrifice. See, the, the Old Testament Jew would have understood this. The, even the New Testament Christian at that time would have understood sacrifice because whether it was the God of the Bible or all the pagan gods, the culture and the community was very understanding of what it meant to sacrifice. Jesus drove out money changers in the temple because they were, they were selling goats and lambs and doves. They were making money off of selling sacrifices so people could go in and sacrifice. So Paul's using this. This word present is not like, hey, stand before God. No, this word bears with it the idea of laying an animal on the altar of God and hoping God in His grace would receive that sacrifice. And this is the cool thing. He says, present your bodies. This is what the Scripture is actually telling us to do. To lay ourselves on the offering block of Christ. To lay ourselves at the mercy seat of Christ. But he, does, he, he says He doesn't want dead sacrifices. He wants a living sacrifice, meaning that he wants you to lay your life down on the altar of God so that he might use you for his glory and his good. He wants you today. I want you to hear this. God does not need you. He doesn't need your praise. He doesn't need your worship. Creation declares the galaxies extol the Lord. They, they, they lift their voices in praise to the Lord when the wind rattles the leaves in the trees. That's creation declaring that God is sovereign even over the wind. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. And Paul is urging the believer to understand the true heart of worship. Because in the Old Testament, worship was identified with sacrifice. When they would make their, pilgrim, their, their pilgrimage to the tabernacle, they weren't going to the tabernacle to dance and sing. They were going to the tabernacle to take the best goat or lamb and lay it at the mercy seat of God. There's an idea of bringing... Warren Wearsby says it like this, that present is this once and for all idea of offering and sacrifice. That what Paul is encouraging men and women to do is to once and for all take your hands off your own life and lay it at the mercy seat of God. I want you to hear this. There's a few things that, that we should honor and look at when we think about worship. Number one, it's bring our best. When we present ourselves before the Lord, he says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies. I want you to think about this. When you present your body, if you today lay your life before the Lord and say, God, you can do whatever you want with me. Are you giving him your best? And I'm asking, I know this isn't super comfortable, but are we giving God our best? I'm not talking about the 30, like, like I said, I love that worship, music is a part of worship. I love that prayer is a part of worship. But worship at its core, when you strip away all the other things, worship is the sacrifice of our lives to the glory of God and the mission of his kingdom. So I'm asking you today, are you giving God your best in worship? In your business, in your family, are we giving God the best? You say, TJ, why are you harping on giving God my best? I want you to see this. Genesis 4, 2 through 5. Now, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man 
with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an an offering of the fruit off the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and fat from their portions. And the Lord had regard, or the Lord honored Abel for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Abel brought the very best of what he had to God. Cain brought some from the surplus. Abel searched through the flock and looked for the one without any spot or without any blemish, the fattest, the best, the one that if you were going to throw a party, that's the one we're picking because we want everybody to be impressed. So then rather, rather than using it for his own good, he brought it to the Lord. Cain just kind of picked up the scraps. So here's the challenge when I read the text and what, what just kind of has been pressing on me when I'm reading the text is, am I just gathering up leftovers for God or am I giving God my very best? Is God the afterthought? Am I, am I just giving him what's left over after my busy day, after my busy life, after I pour out and do all the things I want to do? Am I giving God the leftovers or am I giving God my very best? Numbers 18, 29, you must present as the Lord's portion the best and the holiest part of everything given to you. Listen, everything given to you, we give back to him. Because he's worthy of our worship. Listen, we bring our bodies, our whole being, our eating, our drinking, our jobs, our hobbies, our children, our spouses, and we lay the best of it at his feet and say, here, God, do what you want. That's worship. It's easy to sing sometimes, but it's incredibly hard to surrender. You say, TJ, is it possible to get it wrong? Yeah. I want to read this to you and then we'll go on. He challenges us to bring our best and then to bring the best humbly. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We bring the best of what we have before the Lord with confidence but with deep humility. Could you imagine... Under the Old Testament dynamic, we, see, we, don't, we don't work that way anymore because God's given us incredible grace through Jesus, and we're going to get there in a minute. But could you, could you imagine the moment of silence or the pause when you brought your sacrifice to the priest in the tabernacle? He would have to examine it. Could you imagine if you had traveled all this way, some of them, Miles and miles and miles and miles carrying this goat or lamb on your shoulders. And, and, and you've spent all this time, you've been away from your family, and you come before the priest and you, you kneel down and you take the lamb off your shoulders and you lay it down and, and then he inspects. He's looking for any spot or any blemish. Could you imagine that moment? I don't know, I don't know about you, but for me I'd be like, where's the whiteout? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I just came all this way and I'm, I'm giving God this and if there's a spot or blemish, you know that it's going to be worthless. We should come with confidence before the throne of grace, but we should also come with deep humility, understanding that the only reason that we get to present our bodies, I want you to hear this today. 
I want you to hear the grace. I want you to feel the grace. Because the only reason that Paul can admonish the people to do that, to appeal to the people to present their bodies and everything that they have to God, is because Jesus' body was thrashed on our behalf. The reason we have confidence standing before God when we offer worship is because Jesus lives in us. And when God looks down through the lenses of Jesus' blood over our lives, he sees a pure and spotless lamb. Every one of you, every one of you, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, when you bring yourself as an offering to God, when you lay your life down before him, you have great confidence, not some suspect confidence like, is God going to receive me? Is God going to want me? Is God going to, to honor the sacrifice when I bring myself and my possessions and all of, I, all of who I am to the Lord? Is God going to honor that? No, you have great confidence because Jesus Christ lives in you and has made you a worthy sacrifice when you were unworthy. Is that incredible this morning? It's incredible to me to think that when I bring myself before God, God looks at Jesus, not at TJ. When you bring yourself before God, God looks at Jesus and what he did for you rather than looking at your sorry, sinful self. And he receives you on the grace that Jesus poured out. On behalf of Jesus, God receives you. I want you to hear this. Say, man, this isn't comfortable. Listen. Why do, we get it, why, why do I want us to get it right? Why do I want our theology to be good and right? And why do I want our practice to be good and right? And why do I want our church to be a church of worshipers and not just singers and not just prayers, but real worshipers? Why do I want our church to be worshipers? Because listen, Malachi 1, 6 through 14, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of reading, but just bear with me. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? This is God talking to his people. If I'm a father, then where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? This is what God is saying. Nobody honors me and nobody fears me, says the Lord of hosts. O priest who despise my name. You say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? Listen to this, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised, when you offer blind animals in sacrifices, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you? Will he find favor with you? This is what God is saying, and this is, this is hard to swallow for me, at least as a believer. He's saying what you give to God, what you're currently giving to God, if you were to give that passion, that fire to your spouse, would they keep you? If you were to give it to your boss, would they keep you? The way that you honor and serve and pour out for God, are you giving God your first fruit offering? Are you you giving him your leftovers and blaming it on busyness? Because it's in Malachi. You say, TJ, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. Go to the Word. He said, present that kind of offering to your governor and see if he'll find favor with you. Listen to what God says here. And this is probably the most humbling piece of the text for me. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you says the Lord of hosts. 
and I will not accept an offering from your hand. From the rising of the sun to the setting, my name will be great among the nations. In every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. This is what God said. God was saying this. He was looking at a people that were worshiping him, that were bringing in false lame, weak sacrifices, people that were not bringing him their first offering, people that were not humbly bringing their very best. And this is what he said. He said, oh, that someone would just go and shut the doors to the temple. I don't even want fire kindled on my altar right now. This is God who loves worship and praise for people. Let me, let me translate that into 2014. Oh, that someone would tear down the sign of the church and lock the doors and break all the instruments and strings and pull all the plugs out of the walls so nobody can lift up false worship. He wants our very best. And you say, TJ, I'm trying. It's, I'm not telling you to try harder. I'm not telling you to do better. I'm telling you to lay your life at the mercy of God and say, God, here I am. Do whatever you want. I'm not saying be a better boy, be a better girl. God will be pleased with you. No, give everything you have. Offer your whole self up to the glory of God for him to do whatever he wants with you. Man, it just struck me. Oh, that someone would shut the doors. God was saying, oh, that someone would lock all these people out of church. <laughs> Did you see that in the text? Don't you hear this? I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I want you to hear this. Living, willing this is the idea that you are not dead, you're not some dead animal forced on the chopping block like in the Old Testament. But rather, you get to willingly present your body to Christ. That's a beautiful thing this morning. Preachers and God, have, we haven't drugged you in here saying you're, you're just like those old dead animals in the Old Testament. No, God's saying, I want you to present your bodies. I want you to hear this. I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I want you to willingly give up everything that you have for my name and for my gospel. I don't want leftovers anymore. That's all he's saying in the text. I don't want your leftovers anymore. If you're going to give me leftovers, just stay at home. I'm not talking about just here. That's what he's saying. I don't want, I don't want lukewarm anymore. There's prophecy at the very end of the text. There's prophecy from Malachi all the way to Revelation where God is saying, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you serve me or not serve me. I'd rather you be a worshiper or stop faking. But I don't want you in the middle. I don't want you in the middle of the road faking this thing. I want you on fire for my name's sake. Or I want you to just turn around and go the other way. I beseech you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, for this is our reasonable service or our spiritual act of worship. Listen, holy and acceptable. Today, this sermon, you, you may think, man, I feel really bad right now. I feel weighty and I feel heavy and I feel condemned. That's not the Holy Spirit. If you feel convicted, good, because I feel convicted. I feel heavy. 
I'm like, God, I want to give my best. So I want to give you this confidence before we have a time of response. Nick's going to come, and we're going to sing a song of response. But I want to give you this confidence. I want you to think about this. Number one, what you believe about God is going to fuel how you practice serving God. If you have a low view of God, if you have a weak view of God, you'll have a weak pursuit of God, and you'll have a weak practice with God. Number two, today, you have the ability, hear me, you have the ability to present your body, your life, your family, your job, your hobbies. You have been given the opportunity to willingly submit yourself to the Holy Spirit because Jesus allowed his body to be thrashed and broken and crucified. What an amazing gift. What an incredible sacrifice. What an incredible offering. I want to pray for you this morning, then we're going to respond with a song. Let me pray for you.